All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here today. Yeah, me too. Hey, all right, let me start off by asking a question. How many of you, when you were like a little kid, uh, really thought about running away, running away from home? Yeah, or maybe you had kids that threatened to do that. I remember when our youngest daughter, Abby, was a little nugget. She was probably, uh, she was definitely in pre, pre-K, and she had had it. You know, it was, it was, you know, she wasn't t- putting up with us anymore. She was out of here. And so uh, she packed up her little backpack, which she put Mr. Snuggles in there, her favorite stuffed animal and her favorite blankie in there. She went to the kitchen, got a few squishy snacks and stuck those in there, clean pair of underwear, and then she was headed out the door. And uh, she told Liz, I'm, I'm running away now. And she said, okay, just don't go far. And uh, she, out the door she went. Now, she didn't even leave the front yard, but, but she was gone. And so we had a little, little side yard that had a, a little slide and swing set on it. So she sat on the swing and contemplated her life and ate her squishy snacks. And about 30 minutes later, she came back in. All right, it was pretty much over. Uh, you know, there are a lot of kids that do that. In fact, I found this week some actual notes of children that decided they're, they're going to run away from home. For example, let me sh- read you this one. It said, by the time you read this, I will be leaving. If you want to see me again, I will be at the first McDonald's that you see when you go right from our house. <laughs> He's going to McDonald's, man. I'm fit up with this. Uh, next one, uh, Mom. I ran away, not because you're mean or anything. I only wanted to meet the Spice Girls. (laughs) Here's another one. Mom, I'm going to run away tomorrow at 9.30 when you and Dad are sleeping. Uh, Be sure to say goodbye forever, Emily. P.S. I'll be back tomorrow night, or I'll be back tonight. (laughs) And then I love this one here. Uh, Dear mom and dad, I ran away. I'll be back uh, soon. Love, Joey. It's all mom's fault. (laughs) And look at him at the bottom. He's drawing a little picture of him running out of his house. It's all mom's fault. (laughs) And I love this last one. Uh, I am running away because you think I farted when I didn't. P.S. You are mean. All right. <laughs> oh my. You know we uh, we like to run, man. We if things go bad, we run. We, even when we grow up, we grow up. We still like to run. You know things get rough at home or at the office or anywhere, man. We're we're out the door. We run. We're born to run. And you know a lot of times we run from God uh, when things don't go right in our life for, for a lot of different reasons. We we run from God. And really, that's what this book of Jonah is about. Uh, Jonah is about running from God. Now, most people, when they think of Jonah, they think of the big fish, right? Jonah and the big fish. But, uh, and we are going to deal with that part of the story, but that's not why this story is in your Bible. This story is in your Bible because of the message that God pursues us. You see, um, the subtitle of this series is Jonah, Reluctant Prophet, Relentless God. And the story is about a man who ran from God, who was reluctant to do what God told him to do, and yet God still relentlessly pursued him and redeemed him and restored him and used him. And that is really good news for runners like you and like me. All right, so let's, let's, let's jump on into it and get, take your Bible out, open it up to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah is kind of hard to find in your Bible. It's buried in those minor prophets. 
Uh, so feel free to use the table of contents if you need to. We'll put the page number of the uh, Bibles that are in the pew rack there uh, up on the screen for you. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to be, just a couple of verses uh, today. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. This is the Word of God. Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now stop right there. Would you circle the name Jonah? Jonah right there in verse 1. For those of you that are quick to slide the book of Jonah under the category of myth or legend or parable, I want to remind you that Jonah is an actual historical figure, that Jonah appears in other places in the Bible. For example, he appears in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, where he is one of several prophets up in the northern kingdom of Israel that prophesied about a coming prosperity and expansion of the nation, which actually took place. Jonah was a prophet, which was a a man called by God, sent by God to God's people with a message. And he ministered alongside other prophets like Amos and Hosea. However, the unique thing about Jonah is that not only was he called to God's people, but he was the only recorded prophet that was sent outside of Israel to take a message to another nation. He's the only prophet that was given that assignment. So this book, this story is really about Jonah. Now, I also want you to circle the name Nineveh, right? Nineveh is an actual place. It's an historical place. If God had sent him to Narnia, then we would have had a problem, all right? But it's not Narnia, it's Nineveh. And uh, Nineveh was called a great city. Nineveh was located along the Tigris River in what is now modern-day Mosul, Iraq. And they've excavated much of that ancient city of Nineveh. According to the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, it was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was one of the most populated cities of its time. It had a massive wall around the city that at some points were as much as 146 feet thick. Uh, historians say that you could run three chariots abreast on the top of the, of the city wall. It had an intricate water system. It had a massive library where they've actually excavated many tablets that tell the history of the Assyrians. It had a, 15 major gates, towering gates to get into the city. Had a, had a massive temple in the city. All, I mean, it was a bustling large uh, city for its day. And uh, it was a, an actual place. In fact, uh, you may have read this a couple of years ago, that there was a burial shrine to the prophet Jonah located in Mosul, Iraq, that when ISIS came through there, they actually blew it up. And uh, many people were upset because they were destroying these ancient shrines, but what they discovered underneath the rubble were more artifacts about Assyria that date back to some of this time period. So it's fascinating uh, what is still here to corroborate the historicity of Jonah and of Nineveh. So God tells Jonah, this prophet, I want you to go to Nineveh and prophesy. And what does Jonah do? 
Uh, well, he doesn't go to Nineveh. Uh, he gets, it goes down to Joppa, which is modern day Jaffa, which is just outside of Tel Aviv. And he boards a ship there headed to Tarshish, which most people agree would have probably been located in Spain. So now let me just give you a visual picture of what this looks like. Here's the map. Uh, Jonah starts off his, this Gath Hefer is where he was born and raised. He travels down to Joppa. Instead of going east to Nineveh, he gets on a boat and head sailing all the way over to Spain. You see that? He's literally going to the edge of the known world at his time. He's getting, God says go east and he goes west, all right? The word of the Lord tells him to go this way and Jonah says, no, I'm going to go that way. He goes, go right? No, no, I'm going left. I'm not going to do that. The word of the Lord told him something and he said no. Now listen, uh, some of you may be running from God. God has told you to do something. The word of the Lord came to you to reconcile that relationship and you said no i'm not going to do it they're going to have to come to me first the word of the lord has come to you and said i want you to be involved in this ministry and you said no i'm going to do something else the word of the lord has come to you and said you need to stop that relationship and you said no the word of the lord has come and spoken to you and you know it and even now as i'm saying it god is saying yeah that's right i've talked to you about this and you are resisting god that is what running from god looks like listen why do we do that why do we run from God? I mean, most of us have at some point in our life run from God. At some point, we say, God, I don't want to do that. God, I want to go this way. I, I, want, I don't want you to do what you want me to do. I want to do my own. Why do we do that? Why do we run from God? I think that there are some reasons why typically we run from God. First reason is simply this. We run from God because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? But God says, I want you to go this way, and, and you don't want to do that. And so you turn your back, and you go the opposite direction. That's what happened with, with Jonah. Jonah, did, he was perfectly satisfied to minister as a prophet within the boundary lines of Israel. He was fine with that. But God told him to go to these other people, and he said, I'm drawing the line there, God. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. And God may be speaking to you about some areas of your life, and you've said, no, God, that's, you can have this part of my life, but you can't have my dating life. You can't have my sex life. You can't have my business life. You can't have this area. God, I, I don't want to do that. And by the way, I'm not going to do that. We don't want to do what God tells us to do. Another reason we run from God is simply because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we do what God tells us to do, then something bad will happen to us or life will not go well for us. Uh, listen, Jonah had every reason to be afraid. The Assyrians, which lived in Nineveh, were a very brutal people. In fact, when they would go uh, to regions, they would conquer regions. By the way, they conquered most of the Fertile Crescent, that whole region. And uh, when, the, when a village would rebel against them, they would come in heavy-handed and they would commit all kinds of atrocities. They would pile up the heads of uh, their enemies at the city gate. They would impale the leaders. They would skin people alive and post their hides on the walls. They would rip out their tongues. They would do these horrible things in order to send a message that if anybody rebels against the Assyrians, that's what's going to happen. So they, they managed and they conquered through terror. 
These were the great-great-great-grandfathers of ISIS and are, were doing very similar types of things in the very same location. Now, listen, uh, you would be afraid too, right? If God told you, put on your Made in the USA t-shirt and fly to Iraq and go try to find a bunch of ISIS fighters and share the four spiritual laws, you would probably go to Spain too, right? You're like, God, I, I don't think I want to do that. God, use somebody else, right? And so sometimes we don't do what God wants because we're just afraid. God, I'll go anywhere but blank, right? God, I'll go anywhere but Africa. God, I'll go anywhere uh, but Afghanistan. God, I'll go anywhere but Arkansas. I mean, you go anywhere, right? But don't send me there. Well, I'm afraid. You know, another uh, reason people run, not only is because we just don't want to do it, not only because we're afraid, but sometimes we run from God because we're hurt or we're disappointed. We don't feel like God has treated us fairly. And so in our confusion and in our hurt, we push God away and we go our own way. That's kind of what the Smiths were talking about on the video earlier, that we run from God. And I really think this is why Jonah ran from God. It says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, he said, that is why I ran away to Tarshish. Why? I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. In other words, what he was saying is this. Listen, God, I knew that if I go to Nineveh and if they repent, that you will show them mercy. And I don't want you to show them mercy. That's not fair. What I want you to do is give them scorched earth judgment. I want fire and sulfur coming down and swallowing them up. Do you, God, have you not seen what they've done? Do you not see how evil they are? God, I want you to wipe them out. And if you show them mercy, then God, that's not fair. And many times we feel that way. God, you're, you haven't treated me fairly. It's not fair that this happened. It's not fair that that happened in my life. So I'm just on the run from God. Now listen, I don't know why you may be running from God today. I don't know. Maybe one of those three reasons, maybe other reasons. But here's what I do know. That running from God always looks the same. And I can summarize it with one word. Running from God always looks like disobedience. It's saying, God, I'm not going to do that. God, you may say that in your Bible, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be that person. I draw the line. Let me tell you what, I, I talk to people all the time that say that. Why? But you see right here in this Bible, yeah, I know that, but that doesn't apply to me. Or I'm the exception. Or I'm going to do whatever I want to do, preacher. Let me tell you something. Anytime you set your mind to do what God has told you not to do, or to disobey God, listen to me. Every time you say, well, that's just the way it's going to be, there will always be a ship waiting at the port to take you there. There will always be somebody ready to help you disobey God. There will always be a group of people ready to justify why doing your way is obviously the best way. There will always be an opportunity. You know, I, there was a season in my life where I was running from God. You know, I went off to college, man. I was just living my life and doing my own thing. It was like, man, nobody knows me and I could just do whatever I want to do. And you know what I found? I found people there that were actually happy to help me uh, get on a boat to Tarshish. 
right? Uh, people that were happy to cheer me on to do things that were disobeying God. And I thought, man, nobody knows me and I can do whatever I want. And you know what I learned? I learned that while nobody knew who I was, God knew who I was. And while nobody saw, God saw. And God intervened. Jonah will learn that same lesson in this story that God sees him and God sees you. And listen, God knows you and God loves you. He loves you way too much to let you just run from him and to waste your life. And so he pursues, he relentlessly pursues us to reconcile us back to him. Listen, you may be running from God right now for all kinds of reasons. There may be some areas of your life you're saying no to. But I just want to, as a fellow runner, tell you what's going to happen if you keep running from God, okay? If you keep staying the course, if you board the ship and you keep running from God and, and pushing God away, what is going to happen? Let me tell you, I think we learn some things from this story. The first thing that you learn is this. If you keep running from God, when you run from God, you end up alone. You're going to end up alone. Look at verse 3. It says, but Jonah rose to flee from, uh, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Later on it says, so he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. You notice two times, just underline it, two times away from the presence of the Lord. Notice that? It's repeated. Now, by the way, that is impossible to run from the presence of God. Do you know that? The Bible says that God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere. You cannot run from God. There's no place that you're going to run to that God's not already there. In fact, Jonah in, in history comes after King David. So he would have certainly read Psalm 139 that says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning. Listen, if I dwell by the farthest ocean. Even there, your hand will guide me. Listen, you can't run from God's presence. But it's interesting, the word presence there, a Hebrew word means face. And so what he's saying, the word face there really indicates fellowship. So he says away from the presence means away from the fellowship of God. And listen, you can't do that. Your running will take you away from fellowship with God. And you feel like you're alone. Runners get to a point where they go, man, I just feel so far from God. I feel so far from his people. Man, there was a time when I used to love God's word. Man, I just don't have any appetite for it. There was a time when I used to love to go to church. Now, man, I just don't want to be around those folks anymore. I, I, just, feel, I just feel distant from God. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you just really feel distant from God. Like, man, I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Why? Why is that? Because running causes you to be out of fellowship with God. I tell you what, Satan loves to do that. He loves to make God's children feel like orphans. He loves to make uh, God's own kids feel like outsiders, like they don't belong. But that's a lie. You belong to Christ. But you'll feel distant from him. And you'll miss him. Not only will you be distant from him, you'll feel distant from God's people and people that love you and people that want God's best for you. You'll end up pushing everybody away. And get this, when you push everybody away, guess what happens? You end up all by yourself. When you build a wall around yourself, you end up all alone. Second thing that will happen 
if you continue to run from God is that you'll make some bad decisions. You're going to make some bad decisions. Uh, Jonah uh, made a really bad decision. He decided to run from God by getting on a boat and going as far as he could in the deep, treacherous waters. Now, listen, I don't particularly like to, I'm a landlubber, okay? I don't particularly like to be on the ocean anyway, okay? I like my feet squarely on the ground. And, uh, but back then, if you got on a ship, that was very treacherous. I mean, they didn't have the technology we do. They didn't have the size of ships like we do. I mean, many people left on trips like that and never came back. And so it was very, very dangerous what he did, but it seemed like a good thing at the time, right? At the moment, it seemed like a good thing to do. And that's the way decisions are made when you're running from God. You're away from godly wisdom. You're away from godly counsel. You're not listening to God's truth. And so you make decisions that seem good at the time, but are really, 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 really bad decisions. Well, I'll just go take that job and not really seek the Lord in it, and that job fails. I'll just get in that relationship, and it fails. And then you begin to realize, man, why are all these things falling around me? It's like the, it's like the young single gal that she says, well, you know, uh, this guy's asking her out. She, she's not dating anybody. She's kind of alone, so, you know, he's, he's, not, uh, he's not perfect, but oh, I'll go out with him. What can one date hurt? So she goes out with him. Well, that leads to another date. That leads to another date. Pretty soon they've, they're crossing purity boundaries and now she feels this emotional now attachment to him and then he wants her to move in. So she, yes, you know, this is the only relationship. Maybe this is the only one I'll ever get. So she moves in with him. So now they're living. So two years later, she's living with this guy that, that's not good for her, that everybody's warning, hey, you need to get away from him. He's not good for you. He's not leading you toward God, all this kind of thing. And she looks up one, one day and says, how did I get here? How did I get to living with this guy and, and doing all this thing and so far from my family and estranged from God and my godly friends. How did I get here? One decision at a time. That's how it works. One decision at a time. But if you're making decisions away from godly wisdom and away from godly counsel and away from people that will speak godly truth in your life, then you're just going to make bad decisions. And you're going to see your life fall apart one decision at a time. Listen, one other thing that will happen if you continue to run from God is that you are going to miss out on God's calling for your life. You're going to miss God's calling. You're going to run from God's calling. See, Jonah had a calling on his life. In verse 1, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God had a plan for Jonah. God, God was going to use Jonah. Listen, God had used Jonah in a great way to, to work on his people. Now he was going to use Jonah to bring a national revival to a pagan people. I mean, Jonah is one of the first missionaries sent to a pagan people that do not know God to declare him. And yet Jonah resisted him and he lost sight of his calling. Listen, you have a calling too. Did you know that? The guy, you're not just here by accident. God has got a calling on your life. Now, you know, when I, we grew up in our Baptist heritage, we used to try to say that calling was just reserved for pastors and for missionaries, right? Pastors had a special calling and uh, missionaries had special calling, but every one of uh, the rest of us were just kind of doing a job. Uh, but I don't see that in the Bible. I really believe that God calls every one of us to a special calling. Every one of us has a special, of course, we're called to know God. Of course, we're called to make disciples. We're called to share our faith. But beyond that, I believe that every vocation is a sacred vocation. 
I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a fireman or a police officer. It doesn't matter if you're a businessman or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a, a nurse or caregiver, bedside caregiver. It doesn't matter if you're in sales. It doesn't matter if you're in construction. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter if you're an investment. It doesn't matter what you do, that that vocation is a sacred vocation if you're using that in order to point people to Christ. And we need godly people in every field in our culture, lighting up the darkness and shining the light of Jesus. But listen, if you run from God, you may do the job, but you've lost your calling. You forgot why you're here. Now it's just about the money. Now it's just about climbing the ladder. Now it's just about how many toys you can collect. Now it's just about those things and the real things that are of significance, eternal significance, you've forgotten. Listen, don't waste your life. Don't miss your calling. If you run from God, you're going to miss all those things. You know, a couple of things that jump out to me about Jonah that really I've been chewing on this week is that the minute he decided to say no to God and to run, everything went downhill. It says he went down to Joppa. <laughs> and listen, that's the direction of his life. It was all going down, downhill. And listen, the minute you decide to run from God, it's all downhill from there. Things are just going to come off the rails. And maybe not right now. You may say, well, Pastor, I'm actually doing pretty good, man. I actually got a raise and I'm making more money and I, I got, you know, all this is a great thing. Yeah, maybe it's good for a season. But it's downhill. Ultimately, you will see it. Another thing that stood out to me about Jonah is this. Jonah was probably older when this episode happened in his life. He had already had a successful career as a prophet. He had, God had already used him in a great way, but there was a season in his life, even when he knew better, that he said no to God. And listen, you can be used by God and, and you could do great things for God and maybe you're well into your life of walking with the Lord and you can still walk away from him. Did you know that? You could have served him in so many great ways, but still in your 50s or in your 60s or in your 70s, you can stop saying yes to God and start saying no to God. And you can run. You say, well, Craig, what do I do if I'm running from God? Maybe right now there's an area in your life you're saying, no, God, you can't have that. You're running from him. What do I do? Well, for the sake of sounding very oversimplistic, let me, just, let me just say this. You just need to stop. You need to stop. Stop running. Stop and think about why you're resisting the Lord. What is it that's caused you to run from God? Stop and consider what is the, an area of disobedience in my life that God is saying right now, I need, I need this part of your life. I want you to change that. I want you to give my, your life to this. I, I want you to use you in this way. What is the thing that you're resisting? What, what are you digging your heels into? Stop and consider how much it has cost you to run from God. How has this alienated you from the Lord and from God's people and from your own family? How has this caused you to feel alone? How has it caused you to make bad decisions? Just stop. You know, there's a, uh, there's a, a scene in the epic movie uh, Forrest Gump, all right? 
at the end of the movie, you know, Forrest had some hard times, and so he just starts to run, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs. Remember the scene? He's got this long beard, long hair, and there's a scene where he's out in the Mojave Desert or someplace like that, and he's running on this long highway, and, and he stops. And he turns around, and he tells us a group of people that are following him. He said, I'm tired, and I'm ready to go home. He said, I've been running three years, two months, 16 days, 14 hours. And then he said these words, and just like that, my running days were over. Just like that. Listen, for some of you, you can actually chronicle how long you've been running. Man, I started running from God after my divorce. I started running from God when that business failed. I started running from God when, when my mother passed away. When that thing went down at that church, I just swore I'd never go back. And you've been running and running. But just like that, your running days can be over. Stop running from God and start moving toward God. 